the Law School of America. In Canada and England and Wales, certain convicted persons may be designated as dangerous offenders and subject to a longer, or indefinite, term of preventive detention in order to protect the public. Worldwide. United States. The dangerous offender approach is constitutional in the United States where a person convicted of a crime may be held past the statutory maximum for a crime if the courts deem such person to be a dangerous offender, as defined by the statute in the state of prosecution. Dangerous offender statutes are defined on a state-by-state -state basis and are applied at sentencing such that the enhanced dangerous offender sentence stems from the original illegal activity. A person under dangerous offender sentencing is typically held for a minimum term that coincides with the sentence the person would have received without the dangerous offender sentence, and thereafter is subject to review of the person's state of mind as a determination of eligibility for release. The person can be civilly committed if a judicial hearing determines that a concurrent mental disorder makes him or her likely to remain dangerous because of a lack of self-control. This issue arose in the case of sex offenders in Kansas v. Hendricks, 1997 in which the court did allow limited commitment, the court reversed itself on the very same issue in Kansas v. Crane, 2002, imposing much stricter commitment standards and a higher burden of proof. Various state and federal sex offender registry laws have been created as an additional method of dealing with sex offenders. The constitutionality of these has been upheld by the United States Supreme Court in Smith v. Doe, 2003. Canada. In Canadian criminal law, a convicted person who is designated a dangerous offender may be subjected to an indeterminate prison sentence, whether or not the crime carries a life sentence, but this does not apply to convictions of first-degree murder, second-degree murder, high treason, and treason. The purpose of the legislation is to detain offenders who are deemed too dangerous to be released into society because of their violent tendencies, but whose sentences would not necessarily keep them incarcerated under other legislation such as the Correctional and Conditional Release Act. Under subsection 761-1 of the Criminal Code, the Parole Board of Canada is required to review the case of an offender with a dangerous offender label after seven years, and parole may be granted as circumstances warrant, but the offender would remain under supervision indefinitely. After the initial review, the Parole Board must conduct subsequent reviews every two years. According to Corrections Canada, on average 24 dangerous offenders are admitted to the Canadian prison system each year. Paul Bernardo is one well-known dangerous offender. The dangerous offender provisions have been found constitutional. The individual, on a finding of guilt, is being sentenced for the serious personal injury offense for which he was convicted, albeit in a different way than would ordinarily be done. He is not being punished for what he might do. The punishment flows from the actual commission of a specific offense. On October 17, 2006, the Canadian government introduced legislation that made it easier for Crown prosecutors to obtain dangerous offender designations. The amendments provide, among other things, that an offender found guilty of a third conviction of a designated violent or sexual offense must prove that he or she does not qualify as a dangerous offender. This legislation was passed in 2008. Under previous legislation, the Crown had to prove that the individual qualified as a dangerous offender. The amendment reverses the onus for individuals convicted of three violent offenses. Such individuals must now demonstrate to a court that despite the three convictions, they should not be designated as dangerous offenders. It is difficult for those classified as dangerous offenders to be granted parole. As of April 2012, there were 486 active offenders with a dangerous offender, due, designation. Of the 486 active dues at that time, 466 or about 96%, were incarcerated. 
dues constitute about 3% of the federal offender population. Canadian courts also have the option of designating convicts long-term offenders. A hearing is held after sentencing, and, if a judge rules the accused is likely to re-offend after release, a 10-year period of community supervision is required after the sentence is completed. England and Wales In England and Wales, the sentencing of dangerous offenders is governed by sections 224 to 236 of the Criminal Justice Act 2003. The totality principle is a common law principle which applies when a court imposes multiple sentences of imprisonment. The principle was first formulated by David Thomas in his 1970 study of the sentencing decisions of the Court of Appeal of England and Wales. The effect of the totality principle is to require a sentencer who has passed a series of sentences, each properly calculated in relation to the offense for which it is imposed and each properly made consecutive in accordance with the principles governing consecutive sentences, to review the aggregate sentence and consider whether the aggregate is just and appropriate. The principle has been stated many times in various forms, when a number of offenses are being dealt with and specific punishments in respect of them are being totted up to make a total, it is always necessary for the court to take a last look at the total just to see whether it looks wrong, when, cases of multiplicity of offenses come before the court, the court must not content itself by doing the arithmetic and passing the sentence which the arithmetic produces. It must look at the totality of the criminal behavior and ask itself, what is the appropriate sentence for all the offenses? Application Canada Section 718.2 applies the totality principle by stating that, c, where consecutive sentences are imposed, the combined sentence should not be unduly long or harsh, this is so as to avoid sentences that cumulatively are out of proportion to the gravity of the offenses. In application it requires Canadian courts to craft a global sentence of all offenses that is not excessive. If the total sentence is excessive the court must adjust the sentence so that the total sentence is proper. A sentence may violate the totality principle where 1. The global sentence considerably exceeds the normal level of the most serious of the individual offenses. 2. The global sentence exceeds what is appropriate given the offender's overall culpability. United Kingdom Within the context of English and Welsh law, the totality principle is defined within the Criminal Justice Act 1991, that states that nothing in the Act shall prevent the court, in the case of an offender who is convicted of one or more other offences, from mitigating his sentence by applying any rule of law as to the totality of sentences. The principle was recognised in the Criminal Justice Act 2003 Section 166, 3b. Sentencing guidelines are contained within the Coroners and Justice Act 2009 which states that the application of the principle are within the management of the sentencing council, applied along with the offenses taken into consideration, ticks. On June 11, 2012, the latest guidelines from the sentencing council came into force, which cover the three overarching aspects of sentencing, allocation, ticks, totality. The principle of totality comprises two elements. Hashtag all courts, when sentencing for more than a single offense should pass a total sentence which reflects all the offending behavior before it and is just and proportionate. This is so whether the sentences are structured as concurrent or consecutive. Therefore, concurrent sentences will ordinarily be longer than a single sentence for a single offense. It is usually impossible to arrive at a just and proportionate sentence for multiple offending simply by adding together notional single sentences. It is necessary to address the offending behavior, together with the factors personal to the offender as a whole. Resultantly, the suggestion for the application of concurrent or consecutive sentences is within the following guidelines. 
concurrent sentences, offenses arise out of the same incident, there are a series of offenses of the same or similar kind, specifically when committed against the same person. Consecutive sentences, offenses arise out of unrelated facts or incidents, offenses that are of the same or similar kind but where the overall criminality will not sufficiently be reflected by concurrent sentences, one or more offenses qualifies for a statutory minimum sentence and concurrent sentences would improperly undermine that minimum. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. A discharge is a type of sentence imposed by a court whereby no punishment is imposed. An absolute discharge is an unconditional discharge whereby the court finds that a crime has technically been committed but that any punishment of the defendant would be inappropriate, and the case is closed. In some jurisdictions, an absolute discharge means there is no conviction on the defendant's record, despite the plea of the defendant. A conditional discharge is an order made by a criminal court whereby an offender will not be sentenced for an offense unless a further offense is committed within a stated period. Once the stated period has elapsed and no further offense is committed then the conviction may be removed from the defendant's record. United States. The concept of absolute or conditional discharge does not exist as such in United States law. However, different jurisdictions within the United States have a variety of analogs. The most direct is the suspended sentence or sentencing to time served, meaning time spent in custody until sentencing. Many or most states also have alternative forms of adjudication for which a defendant may apply. Such measures are typically available only to first offenders facing non-felony charges and typically exclude certain types of charges, depending on the state. Such possibilities often include a guilty plea followed by a special form of probation, successful completion of which seals the public record of the case and expunges the offender's criminal record. Canada. In Canada, a conditional discharge is a sentence passed in criminal court whereby an individual is found guilty of an offense but is deemed not to have been convicted. Although a discharge is not considered a conviction, a record of an absolute or conditional discharge is kept by Canadian Police Information Centre, CPIC, and by the charging police agency and is purged from the individual's police record after a period of time, one year in the case of an absolute discharge, three years for a conditional discharge. The Criminal Records Act states that except in exceptional circumstances, if the discharge is conditional, no record may be disclosed after three years. No conviction occurs, but the offender is required to fulfill certain conditions as part of the sentence. The offender is put on probation for a period of up to three years. An offender who fails to meet the conditions of the probation or commits another criminal offense during the probation period may be returned to court, have the discharge to be cancelled and receive a criminal conviction and sentence for both the original offense and breach of probation. If the conditions of the discharge are met, it becomes an absolute discharge. A court may grant a conditional or absolute discharge only for offenses with no minimum penalty and a maximum penalty of less than 14 years. United Kingdom. England and Wales. In England and Wales, a conditional discharge is a sentence vitiating the finding of guilt in which the offender receives no punishment if in a period set by the court, not more than three years, no further offense is committed. If an offense is committed in that time, the offender may also be resentenced for the offense for which a conditional discharge was given. Pursuant Section 14 of the Powers of Criminal Courts, Sentencing, Act 2000 and R.V. Patel Yukakrim 2689 The conditional discharge does not constitute a conviction unless the individual breaches the conditional discharge and is resentenced. The end of the rehabilitation period under the Rehabilitation of Offenders Act 1974 is the day when the conditional discharge order ends or immediately for an absolute discharge. 
Then, the offense is treated in law for most purposes, such as in court proceedings, employment, and insurance, as if the offender had not committed it. An absolute discharge is a lesser sentence imposed by a court in which no penalty is imposed at all. Exceptionally, however, a court occasionally grants an absolute discharge for a very serious offense when presented with extenuating circumstances. The signal man in the first grail crash, who was found guilty of manslaughter, is an example. That usually signifies that while a crime may technically have been committed, the imposition of any punishment would, in the opinion of the judge or magistrates, be inappropriate. In 2015, Hubert Cheshire was found to have sexually abused a choir boy, but a stroke and the onset of dementia made the court find that he was deemed unfit to plead and he was granted an absolute discharge. An initial request in 2015 to have Cheshire stripped of his honors was denied. In 2018, after an appeal to the victim's member of parliament he was stripped of most of his honors and a review into the honors system has been called for. A court passing a discharge may still order the defendant to pay compensation to a victim, pay a contribution towards the prosecution's costs, or be disqualified from driving. A court may grant a discharge only if it is inexpedient to inflict punishment and may not do so for certain firearms offenses or three strikes offenders. The law on discharges is set out in sections 12 to 15 of the Powers of Criminal Courts, Sentencing, Act 2000. In 2008, 9,734 offenders were given absolute discharges, 0.7% of sentences, and 87,722 offenders were given conditional discharges, 6% of sentences. Scotland. In Scots law, there is no conditional discharge similar to that in England and Wales, but admonition has a similar effect with a conviction recorded although there is no punishment. However, Section 246 of the Criminal Procedure, Scotland, Act 1995 provides that in dealing with cases other than where the sentence is fixed by law, such as murder, in cases on indictment, if it appears to the court, having regard to the circumstances including the nature of the offense and the character of the offender, that it is inexpedient to inflict punishment and that a probation order is not appropriate it may instead of sentencing him make an order discharging him absolutely. In summary cases, if the court is satisfied that the person committed the offense, and it is of the opinion, having regard to the circumstances including the nature of the offense and the character of the offender, that it is inexpedient to inflict punishment and that a probation order is not appropriate may without proceeding to conviction make an order discharging him absolutely. Section 247 further provides that an absolute discharge shall be deemed not to be a conviction for any purpose other than the purposes of the proceedings in which the order is made and of laying it before a court as a previous conviction in subsequent proceedings for another offense, and shall in any event be disregarded for the purposes of any enactment which imposes any disqualification or disability upon convicted persons, or authorizes or requires the imposition of any such disqualification or disability. However, courts can consider previous absolute discharges in the same way as they consider previous convictions. Sentencing guidelines are non-binding guidelines that inform sentencing in law. By contrast, mandatory sentencing sets legal parameters, typically minimums, for sentences. In the United States federal court system, federal sentencing guidelines apply to federal judges adjudicating cases in federal court. In England and Wales, the Sentencing Council formerly the Sentencing Guidelines Council, sets sentencing guidelines, and in Scotland the Scottish Sentencing Council holds this responsibility. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio.
The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America